Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. We're going to continue in our series, Overcome, and I'm going to read out of Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, if you want to follow along. As always, the sermon card is available through digital means, and uh, you can... Follow along if you'd like or go back over that this week. Joshua chapter 1 beginning in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper where you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to teach today a message titled, Good Success is overcoming. Good success is overcoming. Before I do, I'd like to pray. Father, we thank you for an open entrance and access to your presence and to your throne of grace and mercy through Jesus. And Lord, we're so grateful that he is the worthy one, that he has conquered all things, that he is seated in victory and in rest. Lord, I bless each person here today in Jesus' name. And I bless you and I pray that God's will would prevail in your heart and your mind, your life and your circumstances. Lord, we need your anointing for the breakthrough. So Holy Spirit, move, glorify the King Jesus and we'll give him all the praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here we have a pressure cooker. The thing about a pressure cooker is the lid has to stay on. For the end result to be the desired result, the pressure has to build. See, the process is necessary for the outcome to be prosperous and successful. Likewise, God has a process for followers of Jesus. For followers of Jesus, where God's word says every one of us is predestined in Christ to overcome. We have been predestined to be overcomers. But there's a process for you and I to experience the reality that we're predestined for to overcome obstacles, to overcome Jerichos that we face. Notice in our text, it says in Joshua 1.7, only be strong. Let me talk to you for a moment about be. Only be strong. This is what I'm calling today, be strong living. Notice it's not, hey Joshua, Feel strong. It's Joshua. Be strong. My prayer for you today is also Scripture's desire for you. That the longer you live, you will live less based on your feelings and more you will live based on your being in Christ. 
See, in God's economy, in God's way of doing things, being is before doing. It is made righteous before works of righteousness. We don't work for our right standing. We are made in right standing with God and therefore then we have works of righteousness. It is be before do. This is what we mean by a living based on being. Being strong and a life of overcoming, being led by your emotions is rooted in God. So often when people hear the command, be strong, they are disheartened or they experience anxiety or insecurity because they think that the command is rooted in themselves. No, no, no. The command comes from God and therefore the be strong is rooted in God. Being strong is directly connected to God Himself. To the identity that He gives. To the identity that He provides. See, He gives us an identity. He gives us promises to assure us. And He gives His faithful ongoing presence. So being strong is connected to the issues of identity. It's connected to the promises of God. And it's connected to His presence. I'll say it again. Being strong is connected with the issues of identity, promises, and presence. Now let me speak briefly about identity. It's important to understand the context of our text in Joshua. Who Joshua was written about and who the book of Joshua was written to. It's a story, it's a text about God's people. About a people that have been given an identity by God Himself. It's about a people formed by God. It's about a people that have been called out of a nation and formed by God and a people that are in covenant with the only true God. For followers of Jesus Christ in the new covenant, those who are here today and those that are listening by live stream, understand this, that in Christ an identity has been given. In Christ, in the new covenant, an identity has been given. The issue you and I face in the new covenant is have, have we accepted and come to rest in the fact of the identity we have been given? Have you accepted the identity that God has given you in Christ? Do you rest in that identity? See, listen, until you accept it and rest in it, you can't experience the benefits of it. Pastor Craig mentioned last week the text of Matthew 4 that when the devil comes to Jesus in the wilderness to tempt him, he starts with, if you are the Son of God. See, if the devil can get you doubting your identity that's been given by God, then he can manipulate and move you anyway based on feelings. Identity is not based on feelings. Identity is based on what God has given us. It's based on the promise and the assurance of His Word. Hallelujah. We teach about this identity in Christ thoroughly through growth phases. That's why intentionally every January we start with a new phase, a new session of growth phases 
If you're not in growth phases, you need to sign up today at the Next Step table where you can learn thoroughly about this identity God has given and provided in Christ. So only be strong living, as the text said. Only be strong. Only be strong living is founded upon an identity given by God to those right with His Son, Jesus Christ. So when it comes to be, we have the issue of identity. Secondly, we have the issue of promise. Notice in Joshua 1.1, the text says, I haven't read it yet, but I'll read it now. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said, to Moses. Notice here in the beginning of the book of Joshua, it says the land which I am giving to them. You know what that equals? The promised land. That's why it's referred to as the promised land. It's not a land that they earn. It's a land that God promised, I'm going to give you. In fact, in Joshua 1.13, it reiterates it again. It says, the Lord is giving you this land. This was their inheritance. When you think about inheritance, an inheritance is not something you earn. It's something you receive because an identity you have been given. It's not even an identity that you've earned. It's an identity that you have been given. And Israel has been formed by God as His people of the Old Covenant and He has brought them into covenant with Him and He has an inheritance for them. And He says, I'm giving you this land as an inheritance. For followers of Jesus Christ, Paul tells us that in Christ God has given promises that are yes and amen. The yes has been provided by God. The amen is waiting on you and I to agree. In Christ, you and I have been qualified for an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. Do you know you have an inheritance in the kingdom of God? Did you know your spiritual gifts given to you by the Holy Spirit is part of your inheritance? Do you know that the fruit that those spiritual gifts can bring about as you use them for the glory of God is an inheritance that you have in Christ? That your calling in Christ is part of your inheritance? So be strong living is connected to the promises we have been given in Christ. In the beginning of this year, some of you need to be reminded about the promises that God has given you in Christ. Promises that God has spoken to you. That you have been qualified through Jesus' finished work and His holy blood and the new birth for an inheritance in Christ. For promises that are yes and amen. So in identity comes to play when it comes to be strong living. Promises come into play when it comes to be strong living. And lastly, presence. Notice that our main text says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now this is interesting because it doesn't say, For the Lord your God you will feel wherever you go. I haven't felt God every place He told me to go. I haven't felt God in every season I follow Jesus into. But we have a promise of His presence. Now don't overlook the importance of this fact. 
See, the text says that Moses would go and he would meet with God face to face. When he would get done spending time in the presence of God, he would get up and he would go back to camp. But the text tells us that Joshua, Moses' assistant, this Joshua, would linger in God's presence. you got to understand that Joshua got accustomed to the manifest presence of God. Joshua got very, very hungry and thankful for the presence of God. So when God tells him, look, you're about to need to cross over this Jordan and begin to pursue the things I have for you, one of Joshua's first concerns is, is that presence I used to linger in, your presence, will it be with me? And God assures him, my presence will be with you. I'm extremely grateful when I can feel the reality that God's presence is with me. But I must base Be Strong Living on the fact He said He will be with me wherever I go, not on the fact of if I feel Him wherever I go. Now, let me say, if you come from a denominational background or a background where you've never encountered the manifest presence of God, you need to hear me. I am concerned for you. Because the Bible has promises that those who thirst and hunger will be filled with the Holy Spirit. God has promises of of encountering His revealed, powerful, manifested presence. And so don't settle for less than God has made available. But yet those who have experienced the reality of His manifest power and presence, we also can't live depending on that experience and feeling. We live depending on the fact that God says, wherever you go, I'm with you. So this is how you are able to be strong. You understand your identity that's been given in Christ. You understand that promises God has given you in Christ. And you have an awareness of His presence is always with you. So be, then do. In Joshua 1.7 it says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do. So often... Religion, or you and I, are vulnerable to think about what we need to do before we think about just being who God has created and called us to be in Christ. This text, even in the Old Testament, is a type and a shadow that's saying, no, 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 the ability to do consistently is based on first you accepting your being, your identity, the promises, and His presence that's been given to you. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Here it is. Again, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Notice that doing comes after being. But notice when it comes to doing... God informs them of some aspects that greatly affect our ability to do the will of God. The first thing it's mentioned is regarding our mouth. It says in verse 8 that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Here's the fact. Here's the truth. The sobering reality of the ways of God. Is you will never do God's will with a mouth that speaks contrary to that will. You will never speak wrong 
and keep doing right. You will never speak wrongly, but keep doing rightly. Listen, our ability to do according to all God has for us is connected to keeping His Word constantly in our mouth. This is the way of God. God is a speaking God. God chose to create what is through the words of His mouth. And we are made in His image. We are called to demonstrate His image on the earth. And all through Scripture you see that God highlights the importance of the mouth and how it relates to our ability to do the will of God. Proverbs says, the book of wisdom, life and death in the power of the tongue. And you and I will eat its fruit. If I don't like the fruit that I keep harvesting, I need to check my mouth. The mouth is very important. We'll talk more of that next. Notice the text talks about meditation. Meditate. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That is connected to your ability to do all the will of God. And then he said, you shall meditate in the word of God day and night, which is directly connected to our ability to observe all that God has for us. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Here's what he's saying. Memorize it. Why do you think intentionally, Pastor Craig highlighted and mentioned from the pulpit last week, the Bible reading plan. A way to help you have a habit to get into God's Word, to meditate, to think about it, to memorize it. Memorize it, think about it, keep it in your conscious awareness, keep it in your mind, rehearse it over and over and over again. A great question to continually ask yourself throughout the day is this. What does God's book say about it? What does God's book say about it? It's a great question. Because as we're going through the day, we encounter unexpected circumstances, unexpected news, unexpected events. And when that happens, a great thing to learn to ask yourself is, what does God's book say about that? Because if I don't get to that place, then I will start saying what I feel about that. But that's not going to enable me to do His will in such cases. The first two M's, mouth and meditation, leads to the third one, momentum. Notice the text says, Then your way will be prosperous. Verse 7 says that you may prosper wherever you go. Prosper means to have success and act wisely. To have success and act wisely. You say, Pastor Chad, do you believe in biblical prosperity? Absolutely. The word prosper is right there. I just believe in what biblical prosperity is. And what that is, is acting wisely and succeeding in God's will. Why would God have a will for you and then want you to fail in it? That is rubbish. If you know God's will, the fact that He revealed His will to you is because He wants you to fulfill His will. God's not calling His children to fail in His will. God has called His children to succeed in His will. Can I hear an amen? And this is the momentum that your way would become prosperous. The amazing thing is, is what God is saying is that those who learn about the mouth and meditation, the life of such a person meeting these conditions gets easier and easier regarding, watch this, following God's will. 
Now listen, it doesn't mean that circumstances get easier and easier. It doesn't mean that there'll be less suffering for Jesus and that gets less and less. What it's saying is, is that following God's will gets easier and easier for the one who learns to keep his word in their mouth and to meditate on their word in their heart and mind. Because then when God asks something of you, it's easier to be in the spirit or have our minds set on things above and to be in a place to trust and obey Him. And so we don't begin to wrestle with God in the sense of, well, I don't want to do your will. Doing His will gets easier and easier. So it's be, it's do, and then... Number three, good success. Good success. That you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Watch this. And then you will have good success. Now that's God's word. Not my word. Not a denomination word. That's God's word. Then you will have Good success. Now let me clarify up front. There is success and there is good success. The world can offer you success, but the world cannot provide you what Scripture calls good success. Because good success is success that flows out from our identity and is a result of trusting God by obeying His Word. Good success, let me explain it this way, comes from the integration of our being and our doing. So worldly success can be success in worldly things, but to the damning of your own soul. That's what Jesus said. He warned against that type of success. He said where you acquire and you gain the of things of the world, but to the losing of your own soul. Good success is success where there's an integration of our being and our doing. Let me tell you another way the Bible describes this. Good success is from biblical formation. It's from biblical formation. It's from Christ being formed in us. Good success is godly success. What is godly success? It's success in the things that God has called you to, but in God's way. In God's way. Now oftentimes, some people come from a tradition that has a false piety. They try to separate God's things and spiritual things from everyday life things. No, 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 listen. God is the God who created life. God is the God who gave you those talents, gave you that career, placed you in that job, called you to start that business, gave you those children, gave you that home, called you to teach and train and raise that family. So when we talk about godly success, we're talking about our relationships, our family, our marriage, our finances, our job, our career. Amen. Godly success includes those things. But listen, it is... Succeeding in those things in a godly way and in God's will. As sons and daughters of liberty, as children of God who are called into the liberty of Jesus Christ, we're not seeking success to become a success. See, a lot of people 
because they don't have the being, they're not resting in their identity. They're seeking outward success to then try to feel like they and their being are successful. But listen, for children of God, it's not like that. Outward success is a result of our being. It's a result of our identity. That you and I have been called out of Egypt, called out of sin. We have been called to God. We have been formed by God. We are in covenant with God. We have got an identity from God. God has given us promises and His presence. And from out of our being and then doing, good success results. Success is not obtaining an identity, but success is the result of our identity and then our doing. It's a result of us staying connected to God. The identity He gives us and the words that He tells us to keep in our mouth and to meditate upon our heart. This is why all godly success leads to God getting the glory because it's completely connected to God. He gave us an identity. He gave us His promise. He gave us His presence. And if you take away our identity that was given, you take away the promises that were given, you take away His presence that was given, then we are nothing. But with Him and what He's given us, we can have godly success and integration of our being and our doing. So we are to be strong in our God-given identity. Everybody say identity. We are to be strong in the promises of God. Everybody say promises of God. We are to be strong in His presence to do His word. Everybody say presence. And then we can expect good success following. Now in our text, when the story about Israel and them going in to experience the inheritance that God has for them, what does godly good success look like for Israel? Israel prospering in their way and having good success includes them overcoming Jericho. So you know what that means for you and I when all the Old Testament was written as a type, an illustration for us who live in the New Covenant? That good success for you and I looks like us overcoming our Jericho. Overcoming the place that seems like a hurdle that can ever be overcome. For you, that hurdle, that Jericho might be a long-standing addiction. For you, it might be strife in a relationship in your family that's been there for years. For you, it might be insecurity. For you, it's anything that's trying to wall you out from fulfilling and experiencing God's promises to your heart and into your life. Let me talk then, Roman numeral 4, about overcoming Jericho. When it comes to overcoming Jericho, what you see in the text is first you've got to get in the right place. Listen, you can't overcome Jericho if you're not in the right place. They couldn't overcome Jericho if they stayed on the wrong side of the Jordan. You've got to be in the right place to overcome a Jericho. This is what we learned from chapter 3 in Joshua. The next thing you see that's important in overcoming Jericho is you've got to set up remembrances that guard you from turning back. Listen, there's going to be the temptation to turn back. There's going to be false evidence. There's going to be feelings of fear. There's going to be doubt and attacks and fiery thoughts that come from the enemy that try to get you to turn back. So what God has them do is He takes stones out of the Jordan and He tells them, He says, you set them up on the bank as a memorial. So when you seek to go back and cross that Jordan, you got memorial stones that guard you from going back. 
you got to get in the right place. you got to set up remembrances that guard you from turning back. Then we find in chapter 5, you got to roll away the reproach. What was that? For them it was circumcision. All the men had to be circumcised. The reason they weren't circumcised is because they were in Egypt. And the fact that they weren't circumcised was a sense of shame and reproach of what was their past. And what this means for you and I is you can't let the past distract you from the power of God in the present. Do you know, if you go and look in the text, the word where they were all circumcised, it means to roll away. To roll away. You got to roll away the reproach, meaning you got to roll away some of the shame that's trying to tell you because in your past you come from such and such place or did such and such thing that you're not qualified to overcome your Jericho. I'm telling you in Jesus Christ that regardless of your past, you have been predestined in Christ to overcome the Jericho. And you got to roll away that shame. You got to roll away that voice. You got to silence and put it away once and for all. You have been qualified in Christ Jesus to be more than a conqueror and that includes even the Jerichos of your life. And then you got to let the wilderness provision go for the promised land provision. You see in chapter 5 it said that once they got out of the wilderness and they crossed that the manna ceased that God's supernatural daily provision in the wilderness ceased and now they had to transition from just having enough every day to the food of the promised land. This is how you overcome your Jericho. Now let's look at it. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel and none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. I might preach on that next time. I don't know, but, but uh, this is what Jesus said. You have to pray when you ask, believing that you've received it. Then you'll have it. When did you receive it? When you prayed asking, believing. This is what he tells Joshua. See, it's already in your hand. What do you mean it's in my hand? I'm outside of Jericho. No, no, you got to see by faith the fulfillment of God's promise before you're going to experience it in your hand. We serve a God of faith. We have access to the Holy Spirit of faith. Hallelujah. And God right now by the declaration of His Word will call some faith to fill some hearts in here. That He has predestined you to overcome. That He's Almighty God. That there's nothing too big. There's no walls too thick for God and His promises and presence in your life. Hallelujah. He says, see, I've given you Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All you men of war, you shall go around the city once. Then this you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Let me make some points about this. Number one, the Lord knows how and why things have been built. 
Notice the text here is sort of giving us a picture that God knew something about the design of the wall. That if they would walk around it, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of men stomping and walking. And then you're talking about a moment of shouting and and horns blowing. That it would bring to light the defect in the building of that wall. Watch this. Because this, the end result is the wall wouldn't just crumble. It would fall down flat. Fall down flat. The Lord knows how and why things have been built. He knows what systems are in the world that have been built unjustly. He knows what systems and things have been built in the world unrighteously and corruptly. He knows those who have used others to build for themselves without honoring. He knows it all. And Paul, listen, Paul assures us all in 1 Corinthians 3. That how everybody builds upon the foundation will all give and it will all be brought into account. And this story encourages us because God knows why and how. And for your Jericho, listen, some of you, you don't know why you struggle with what you struggle. But God knows why that thing was built in your life. God knows where that thing got rooted in your life. And because God knows how and why it was built, God can give you His plan to trust Him to see it fall down flat. Hallelujah. Secondly, this story encourages us because what may be currently locked, God knows the right combination to unlock. Notice it said that it was securely shut up. What belonged to them, what God promised them. They didn't know how to get in it. It seemed like they weren't ever going to be able to experience it. They hear other brothers and sisters, you know, talking about God's blessing and God's provision and God's deliverance and God's faithfulness, and it seems shut up to them. Can I tell you today in Jesus' name that God knows the right combination to unlock those things He has for you? It might be walled hearts. It might be walled heads. It might be walled places and connections. It might be deliverance and freedom. God knows the right combination. And for them, notice what it was. A complete turn one day. And then a complete turn day two through six. But then on the seventh time, we're going to do seven turns. God knew the combination to unlock what was locked up to them. And He knows it for you and I. Our soul coming alive again being revived in His presence again, experiencing the peace that surpasses all understanding again, experiencing the joy of our salvation again, oh, experiencing healing for our emotions, divine healing, experiencing breakthroughs. God knows the combination. Ain't that good news? So the Lord knows how and why things have been built. What may be currently locked, God knows the right combination to a lock. Then number three, we see the importance of proximity provides persuasion. Did you know proximity provides persuasion either for godliness or ungodliness? Here we see that proximity released the potential of Joshua. How do we know that? Because he was Moses' assistant. And because he had proximity to Moses when Moses died, 
Who did God say? All right, who's next in line? Joshua. Proximity releases potential. Just like it did in Joshua's life. What about Rahab? Listen, Rahab was the only one in the beginning promised who would live out of the entire city. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if you got close to Rahab and got in her house, then you also would live too. Proximity provides persuasion of potential. But listen, proximity also provides pain. Pain. Because the Lord said, all the city shall be doomed to destruction by the Lord. So if you stay in the city, the proximity leads to pain. Then he tells them about the accursed things. He says, everything in that city is the first city that they conquer is mine. It's tithe. It's all holy, dedicated to the, to the Lord. He says, you can't take any of it. And he says, to the one who takes any of the things of the city, it's an accursed thing, and the curse will begin to come upon you. Meaning, proximity to the wrong things brings pain in our life. Paul confirms this in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. I have found in Scripture when it says don't be deceived, that means I'm vulnerable to be deceived. <laughs> it says do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have this, the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. You know what God speaks to some of your shame? Get in the right proximity. You've got to get away from people who are bound with the same things that you're bound with. You've got to get away from people who struggle with the same negative character you struggle with. Because proximity will either release pain or will release potential. Now listen to me, this is very important for all of us. If you feel alone or truly are alone in this sense that you alone know about your struggle, you will not overcome. If you're the only person who knows about your Jericho or you feel alone even though you're not alone but even if you feel alone you won't overcome your Jericho. This is a strength and benefit of relationships that can develop in connect groups. This is why we provide context of connect groups. It's why if you're not in a connect group I'd encourage you to go the next step and get in a connect group. Now, here's the other challenge. So up front, there's that challenge of not being the only one who knows. Secondly, though, is once you are encouraged that you are not the only one to ever struggle with or face the matter, you will need proximity to those who have overcome. Some people get stuck in that first step. They finally get to the place where they bring to light their Jericho, their struggle. But then they get stuck because they just want constant comfort and encouragement in their struggle. This is the danger. Listen, this is the danger of some groups. You have to get in a group first to know you're not alone and that you're not the only one that's ever struggled with it. But you have to at some point get in a group that's not still struggling with it but has learned to trust God to overcome. And that's where some of you are at. Because you now know through relationships, through groups you didn't, you're not alone. But you're using now the fact that you're not alone just to encourage yourself to not deal with it. 
to not move forward. And the next thing you got to do is you got to get in proximity of someone who's learned to trust Christ within them to overcome that Jericho. Getting around overcomers allows the proximity that you have been predestined for in Christ to happen in your life to overcome. Now here we go about overcoming Jericho in our text. We have a lesson and an illustration on what we've been talking about. Be, do, and good success. Jericho is a picture of be, do, and good success. In Jericho, you find all these elements of the mouth and meditation and momentum. Joshua 6, verse 1 says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Then verse 10 says, Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. Wow. When it comes to overcoming Jericho, this picture lesson we get in text is they had to shut up about what was currently shut up to them. Why? Listen, here's why. Think about it, think about it, think about it. They have experienced their whole life in Egypt and then wilderness. They are not mature enough to be able to keep God's word consistently in their mouth. So God gives them the command, just shut up and don't say anything. Because if I let you talk, listen, you're going to talk yourself out of the promises of God. You're going to talk yourself into doubt and unbelief and depression instead of the presence of God and His joy and His presence that's with you. Listen, these are first-time soldiers seeking to overcome their first battle. And the command is don't say a word. Don't talk at all. Because if they talk, they are not mature enough not to complain, not to murmur. And that killed an entire generation in the wilderness. So he says, don't say a word. Because if you talk, you're going to start getting on each other's nerves. You're going to start complaining. Listen, they were not mature enough to not talk themselves out of obeying God. This combination ain't going to work. I think we should walk around the city three times. Well, I don't even think it's three times. I think it's half a loop. And I think we just need to stand on the left side of the wall. And all they're going to start doing is talking their opinions. Listen, opinions don't have the power to overcome Jericho. Only God's word in our mouth. It's meditation in our heart. Listen, listen. They were not mature enough to pray to God instead of complain to men. So God says, shut up. Why? Because what do we learn? You cannot consistently speak wrongly and experience the right will of God. Listen, for all of us in Christ, we have to learn to pray about it, not just speak about it, in order for the pressure of God's power to build up in our mouth. And so here they are, seven days, don't say a word. And they're like the pressure cooker. I mean, it is just building, building within them. 
And we're not even getting into the psychological aspects of how God made men and women different and how women talk a lot more words daily than men. We're not even getting into that. But these are men. They ain't talk for seven days. And they are building up. I mean, that, sometimes when my, when my family's gone and they're at school, Michelle uh, uh, set this or had me set it so that supper and the meal's provided when they get home and dinner or whatever. And uh, when everybody's gone, believe it or not, the house is pretty quiet. But, and so I'll be walking in the kitchen and I'll, sometimes I'll hear like, and I'll be like, what? <laughs> or I'll hear like, and it's the pressure cookers over there. It's building up. I mean, it's getting close. And here they were. It's building up. Those men are probably shaking as they're walking, you know. Their, their lips are probably bleeding because they're, I mean, the pressure's building up. So that when God says, shout, my God, they ain't going to go, wee, wee. I mean, it's going to be a mighty shout that's been prepared by the pressure and preparation of God. So they just walk. Meditating on the word of God, not saying a word. They're walking around the entire city. And so often, too many of us, we want temporary release of pressure and not a powerfully prepared shout of praise. Listen, guys, I know at times it's difficult, that pressure, that expectation, whether cultural or biblical or whatever, to provide for all the wants and desires of the family. And every one of us guys that feels that, we got to know and experience we're not alone in that. But after we know we're not alone, we got to move. And we got to get in the proximity of people that's learned to overcome that weighing on them in a negative way. Meaning we can't just keep, you know, sending memes to each other and texts for temporary release without building the pressure to get a powerful praise and faith to God trust wives those raising children at home you got to know you're not alone in the burden and the difficulty of that but once you know you're not alone listen sending memes and and jokes to others about the difficulty of that ain't going to build the pressure to have a powerful praise to trust God in the midst of that and the question you and I face is do we want just temporary release at times or will we allow God's process to come thoroughly? That's what seven means, completion. So that when we open our mouth, there's such a praise of trust and faith in God that if God be for me and God be with me in this, how can I fail? God's promises are in my life. God's word is in my life. He's given me identity to be an overcomer. He's given me His presence with Him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. We're talking about overcoming our Jerichos. And then they shout. And you know what they were shouting? See, listen. We shout in faith regarding the Lord's grace. Think about it. Their identity, they didn't earn. It was given to them by God. The plan and combination for the walls of life, they didn't come up with it. It was given to them by God. The presence of God with them, they didn't earn it. It was given to them by God. All of our shouts in faith is based on our connection to God's grace. 
In the end, He gets all the glory. In the end, all the fruit that comes out of us is because He initiated it and started it. Jesus is our faithful foundation. So here you see in the story the mouth. He tells them don't say anything. They're walking around meditating on the word of God. It's building in them like a pressure cooker. And then you see the momentum where God says, okay, on that last day, you're not just going to circle the city one time. There's going to be so much pressure of powerful praise ready. So much of my power and energy and vitality on Sinai, you're going to have enough to go seven times. I don't know about you, but going from one time to seven times, that sounds like some momentum of multiplication. And you see it happen. And the wall fell down flat. Why is that important? Listen, because God said you'll be able to run straight before you. Think about it. When the wall falls down flat and it doesn't just crumble, they're not having to climb over debris. They're not having to climb over obstacles. They're not even in danger of things falling apart. It falls down flat. Meaning, listen, what was walled up to them became a path, a paved path before them. What seems currently walled up to us, when we follow the process of God, God will call that thing to be a paved path so that we can have momentum. Hallelujah. And they ran straight ahead. Now let me talk lastly about Rahab's release. Rahab's release. We've not looked, but in the story there's a woman named Rahab. And the reason it's interesting, one, many reasons, but one is Rahab lived on the wall. That's interesting. Because yes, the wall that's about to fall flat. She lived on the very thing that was about to fall down flat. And Rahab represents those who need to get on the right side of the wall and the right side of God's work. See, listen, listen. Rahab was not a part of the people of God. Rahab had no covenant with the living God. And she represents those who's currently out of covenant on the wrong side of what God's doing and she needed to get on the right side of God's work. How did she get the release? When the rest of the city dies and yet Rahab's released and lives in the promised land. Here's the first thing she did. She received the two children of Israel, the spies. What this means for you and I, for us to get release in things where we need to get on the right side of God's will and what He has for us, is you got to receive what you wish you were. you got to receive what you want to become. You want to be an overcomer, you got to receive overcomers in your life. You, you, God's called you to a business and you want a successful business and you got to receive successful businessmen and businesswomen into your life. You got horrible discipline and financial problems. You need to receive in your life people that has God's financial wisdom and stewardship. You, you suffer deeply with self-hate and self-wrath and leads to depression and inward hatred. You got to get around people that's overcome that and learn to live focused on the goodness of God and His perfection instead of them trying to achieve their own. You got to receive those who have the knowledge you want to learn. You got to receive those who have Christ, listen, if you want to receive Christ. Do you know why a lot of people, it's easy for them to stay in their unbelief and willful sin? 
because they don't get around and receive those who are followers of Jesus Christ and walking in the will of God. And here Rahab receives God's messengers. She received the spies. And this is what Jesus said. When he sent out his apostles that he developed and prepared, he said, those that receive you, receive me. And those who reject you, reject me. If you're here or you're listening and you're interested in the things of Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus, then you have to receive those who are following Jesus and have received Him. It's the process. Secondly, she hid the messengers. Come on, man. She hid the messengers. In Joshua 6 and verse 25, it says, And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. What's that sound like? She hid the message within her heart. She was meditating on the message. She was meditating on the promise. This is just like what we've been learning about, about Jericho. It's like Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, except for Rahab, it was this promise from God's people. Shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it day and night. Could you imagine she's laying there at night wondering, I wonder if they're, oh my gosh, when are they coming? Are they going to keep their word? How does she deal with those fears, those anxieties, those attacks? She's got to meditate on their word. It represents the word of God. She's meditating day and night. No, they promised me. They promised me that anyone in my house, if I stay in my house, as long as I don't go to the city, I will be spared. She hid the messenger. She hid the message continually in her heart and mouth. Then she bound herself to the scarlet line. The messengers told her, listen, here's the sign of the fulfillment of the promise and the covenant we're making. It's you're to tie in your window because her her, uh, window was on the wall. This scarlet cord. She bound herself to the scarlet line. You know what you and I have to do? We bind ourselves to the blood of Jesus Christ. You should get up each morning and say, I bind my life to the power and the provisions of the blood of Jesus Christ. My life is bound to Jesus Christ. My lineage, my identity is bound to Jesus Christ. My promises, my future is bound to Jesus Christ. She bound herself to the scarlet line and then she shut her mouth. Because they told her, if you go and you tell anybody else in the city, the promise is off. Now this is hard. Watch this. Because what this meant for her, this is hard for us that's in the process of dealing with our Jerichos, is until you are delivered and on the right side, you can't truly help those still in the city that's about to be destroyed. You're born again and God's given you a heart and compassion for lost people and broken people. Listen, you cannot help them until you first let God enable you to overcome your own junk in Jericho's. So she had to shut her mouth. She had to first focus on her and her own household. And then lastly, she let go of her cultural upbringing. How do we know that? Because... They said, look, everything in the city is going to be destroyed. She had to leave what she grew up in behind. She had to leave the ways of her culture behind. She had to leave the expectations of her culture behind. She had to leave her upbringing behind. 
And then you see the momentum. You know what the momentum was? Is not only was Rahab released and saved, but her father was, her mother was, her brothers and all that she had. That's momentum of just one to many. The momentum. Why? Because you see, just like what we've seen, how the mouth, the meditation, the momentum. Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, everybody say then. Oh, you got thens in your future, friend. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success, have I not commanded you. Here we see the first lesson God taught the nation of Israel about overcoming in the promised land is the importance of their mouth, the importance of their words, and the importance of the power of seasoned praise instead of the temporary release of pressure through complaining. And I'm telling you, when that lid came off, oh, the power that God released. God tells us as a church, He tells the church of Jesus Christ, that I can do more than we could ever imagine or ask by my power that's at work within you. Come on, let the pressure be used for God's purpose. Let Him prepare a powerful praise in your mouth, rooted in God, rooted in His grace to you. B. Who does God say you are in Christ, friend? Do. Keep it in your mouth. Keep it in your meditation. The promises God has given you. The reality of His presence with you. And then watch momentum. Watch you be able to go straight before you. To have good success. To prosper in the things God has called you to. Because listen, good success is overcoming. Can I hear an amen? Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.